0: From KMXT and Kodiak, it's the Alaska Fisheries Report. I'm Terry Haynes. (music) To most Alaskans, it's food. To some, a livelihood. To others, a sport. No matter how you slice it or fillet it, salmon is deeply important to Alaskans. And salmon lovers across the state were celebrating the species on Tuesday. KDLL's Sabine Pooks has more.
1: August tenth is Alaska Wild Salmon Day. Governor Bill Walker set aside the day to honor the iconic species in 2016.
2: Be very hard pressed to throw a throw a little river rock in this community and not hit somebody that's, you know, deeply connected to salmon.
1: Brandon Borneman is the executive director of the Kenai Watershed Forum. He says it's important to reflect on how much salmon means to the state.
2: I came from you know, the middle of North America, grew up in North Dakota, so as far away from every coastline as you can get. And, you know, all of a sudden, professionally, I find myself 10 years ago in a salmon culture and, and trying to take everything in and, and learn about it and, and learn my place within that culture. And again, I think we owe it to ourselves to slow down and remember those that that first interaction.
1: For some, that first interaction was too far back to remember. Salmon has been part of Sharon Isaac's life forever. She's a Kenaitze elder who grew up fishing in Kenai. And ever
2: since I was old enough to hold a fishing pole, and then as I grew up and had children in
1: that, we fished. Fishing's in my blood. Now, Isaac and her family fish with the tribe's educational fishery by the mouth of the river. She says each species of salmon has its own distinct taste. And she says she uses almost every part of the fish— Her son, Joel Isaac, takes the skin off for salmon skin boots. As for the meat, they smoke, can, and freeze it. Wild salmon means culture, food, clothing,
2: history, heritage, and on and on it goes. (laughs)
1: Hannah Edengoff of Kenai says processing salmon reminds her of learning to fish in Wrangell. To me, it really does feel like spiritual, like I'm connecting to the land and I'm connecting with the people who taught me how to, you know, fish and who've taught me how to preserve fish because, you know, some of them have passed on now um, and I feel like. It's just a, such an important way to keep them alive. She just started dip netting and is learning how to cast for silvers. Her husband built a smokehouse and they have a fillet table next to their garden. You know, my my husband is Clinkett. He's from Southeast Alaska, and you know, salmon there is just such an important part of the cult, of the culture, um, and it's just so important in the communities and it's a way to spend time with your family and it's a way to share with others you know it's catching salmon and smoking salmon and jarring it up all of that is i mean it's a labor of love to those in the business of salmon the fish is economically important and delicious
3: wild alaskan
2: salmon to me is freshest best salmon in the world.
1: Jason Tanner owns Tanner's Alaskan Seafood in Ninilchik. He processes sport and commercial catches.
2: I mean, you can't get anything that's better for your body, better tasting.
1: Tanner certainly knows about taste. His company won the Smoked Salmon Super Bowl at Salmon Fest last weekend for the second year in a row. He says the key is brining the salmon for 24 hours and using all-natural wood for the smoke.
2: Not a, a super long process. It doesn't take 13, 14 days to do it. Um, it's just, a we've got it dialed.
1: He says salmon is an important economic engine for the community of Nanilchik. That's true for fishermen around the peninsula as well. Steve Schoonmaker of Kasilof grew up on salmon, eating it every day for lunch. As a commercial fisherman and activist, he now fights to keep salmon runs clean and wild.
2: So I become more and more aware of how extra special and vulnerable these fish are. You know, We get one on a plate you know, and we eat it and we enjoy it, but it's really a, a gift to all of us, to this economy and to this ecology. It's an ecosystem in a single creature.
1: The Alaska Fisheries Report is brought to you in part by Alaska Boats and Permits, marine broker for vessels, permits, and IFQs. For more information, call 1-907-235-4966 or online at alaskaboat.com. Support for the Alaska Fisheries Report is provided by the Stosh and Claudia Anderson Fund, which recognizes the importance of Alaska's sustainable fisheries to the state's economy.
0: Bristol Bay is the largest sockeye salmon fishery in the world, and for the past decade, it's seen consistent large salmon runs, and it continues to break records. Meanwhile, a number of Alaska fisheries are experiencing historically low runs, a trend that worries scientists, fishery managers, and communities. So what keeps Bristol Bay booming as other areas struggle? KDLG Stephanie Malterich recently spent a day exploring obscure creeks and rivers with a seasoned ecologist to learn more.
4: This summer, Bristol Bay set a record for the largest salmon run ever. million sockeye. That's way higher than the preseason forecast. And the run isn't even over yet. So what makes Bristol Bay such a sockeye hotspot?
3: The question of why so many sockeye have returned to Bristol Bay the last seven, eight years is a bit of a mystery to, I think, most people, if not everyone.
4: Daniel Schindler is a professor and ecologist in the School of Aquatic and Fishery Sciences at the University of Washington. He's also the principal investigator at the Alaska Salmon Program, a research project that has documented the watersheds surrounding parts of Bristol Bay since the late 1940s. 2021 marks Schindler's 25th year exploring and researching the Wood River System, one of the nine rivers feeding into Bristol Bay. He knows a thing or two about salmon. Schindler spends his days from mid-June through mid-September walking a couple miles up and down obscure creeks and rivers each day. Counting salmon as they return to their spawning grounds.
3: What'd you get, sir? 19 bear kill males, 14 bear kill females. Yeah, so I got 422 males, 453
4: At the end of July, only a fraction of sockeye have returned to spawn.
3: This looks like a lot of fish, but the peak is still probably another 10 days or so away.
4: But not every area of Alaska is seeing a lot of fish, like Bristol Bay. Like the Yukon River. This summer, communities along the Yukon saw some of the lowest Chinook and Chumruns on record. Several communities have even appealed for federal aid through fishery disaster declarations. With access to decades of data, Schindler and his colleagues are trying to make sense of what sets Bristol Bay apart. One thing might be water temperature. Schindler says western Alaska is one of the fastest warming places on Earth. And scientists have yet to rescale their charts over the last decade to adapt.
3: Climate warming seems to actually have benefited Bristol Bay sockeye. Warmer temperatures, more food, more growth opportunity. And they're still in the sweet spot of the water temperatures that are profitable.
4: Other parts of the state aren't as lucky. Ocean waters are a few degrees warmer in the Gulf of Alaska. And that slight difference has challenged fish populations south of Bristol Bay. Schindler says another possibility for Bristol Bay's success is the area's large and intact habitat. The surrounding watersheds are uninterrupted by roads, dams, and other development.
3: That's one of the reasons Bristol Bay is so unique is that all of that habitat diversity is still here. All of that genetic diversity in the salmon and the life history diversity, as we call it, is still here. And it's interesting scientifically, but it's also important for the fishery because all that diversity stabilizes how many fish come back from year to year.
4: Schindler says it's normal for fish populations to fluctuate. And while at some point Bristol Bay will likely see a smaller run, he remains optimistic.
3: It's hard to believe that the 50 to 60 million fish per year that we've been seeing, never mind the 60 three or four million fish that we see this year is going to continue at that level forever. But if we look into a crystal ball for the next century and look at the fact that the world is warming, you know, there's no reason to believe that Bristol-based salmon populations won't continue to flourish even under substantially warmer temperatures.
4: But Schindler admits the ocean is a complex place full of many unknowns that scientists still don't fully understand.
3: Really, the question is how much more warming can these systems withstand before it gets too warm, like we're seeing, for instance, in California and the other parts of the Pacific Northwest.
4: While that answer is still unknown, Schindler is certain that nature is resilient when we give it half a chance. Schindler plans to return to Bristol Bay each summer to count the salmon and better understand how the warming climate is impacting the world's largest sockeye salmon fishery. Reporting from Dillingham, I'm Stephanie Maltrich. Support for the Alaska Fisheries
1: Report comes from the Alaska Seafood Marketing Institute, working to raise the value of our seafood harvest for the benefit of all Alaskans. On the web at alaskaseafood.org. Support for the Alaska Fisheries Report comes from Madsen, reliably delivering for Kodiak since 1964.
0: The wild salmon market has been strong this year, driven in part by something new— Vigorous online sales that sent frozen, sustainably-caught Alaskan seafood directly to the consumer. Homer-based Wild Alaskan Company has had a breakout year doing just that. I got a chance to sit down on the phone with Wild Alaskan's Aaron Kallenberg to talk about the post-COVID future of the online seafood marketplace and the seafood marketplace in general.
2: I think what's interesting about seafood in particular If you look at seafood consumption in the retail space during the height of the lockdown, it had increased quite significantly in addition to um, e-commerce sales. And now that food service has really been reintroduced, again, people are starting to eat fish out more. Um, What I think is interesting is that we have not seen a decline in um, the viability of e-commerce as an additional channel in the seafood category as a whole. And, and that's indicative of, again, two things. One, uh, consumers are eating more fish because they're being more health conscious in a post-lockdown environment. So that's great for the industry. The, the second issue is just, again, that you know, if they weren't ordering online, they've been introduced to it and it's been incorporated into uh, their lifestyle. Uh, you know, we might be attracting consumers initially because they are being very health-focused in a post-lockdown, uh, you know, environment. Uh, but touting all the other benefits on on the backside of that, and that's exactly what we're doing. And it, it does seem to be having quite a lasting effect in in terms of repeat purchasing behavior for, for wild Alaskan and then you know at the industry as a whole.
0: When asked about future challenges, Kallenberg noted that Alaska's fisheries have always emphasized quantity. Doing everything on a big scale. But that's only half the equation.
2: My concern is more around the access to a high quality supply at scale. You know, when I look at Wild Alaskan over the next 10 to 20 years, we really need to focus on quality at scale. Generally, you know, one could argue that many fisheries, such as, you know, let's just use Bristol Bay, my family's fishery, for instance, are becoming overcapitalized, especially with the fleet. So you have Larger boats, you know, catching larger amounts of fish, and that's great for individual boats, but, you know, those higher volume uh, operations don't necessarily always produce the highest quality, right? Um, You're not having time to bleed and ice fish, you know, the way that, you know, a more decentralized fleet would. And so when we look towards the future, what I'm interested in doing is how do we do more of that secondary processing? How do we do more of that productization closer to the source? You know, we have the fish and we have the scale. What we need to do is concentrate on producing quality at scale, and that's really where our focus is long term.
3: The Alaska Fisheries Report is brought to you in part by the Alaska Marine Safety Education Association, providing U.S. Coast Guard-accepted, hands-on safety training for all of Alaska's fishermen and their families. AMSEA at amc.org or